everybody, and welcome to episode number 191 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojukri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I'm Ryan Coop, and I'm joined here this evening, first of all, by a man who's wearing a different colored hat than usual. He's traded in his rider's green for a crisp new Toronto Argonauts hat. The great Adam Stewart is here tonight. Adam, you've switched allegiances here, have you? Hey, you know what? It's bandwagon time. You got to keep the hat in place. And uh, if uh, Mr. Stern is watching, you know, I'll take a bribe and take a Montreal hat too, if you want to swap me. But uh, yeah, at the moment... Got the Argos hat on and away we go. Uh, one question though I got before we get to Trey here. Trey, is that your character in the background for Modern Warfare 2? Yeah, it is. I forgot I left it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Canadian guy too. He's got the Canadian uh, flag on his arm. So, you know, got to make sure. Perfect. Awesome. Well, yes, Trey is here with us this well this evening. Officially now the resident betting expert. You claimed the title. I mean, it was never in doubt. All season long, we gave you the title before we began, but you officially earned it with the best record guaranteed for the season. How are you doing today? I'm fine. I got hit with a flu, and it was one of those ones that attacked the joints and muscles. And, like, I couldn't get out of bed most of the week, and my fingers are still sore. Uh, I haven't been playing as much Call of Duty because of that. Uh, Chris, well, I'm on my... Only 35. Like I said, I haven't played as much lately as I wanted to. I've been playing a little bit of Madden, and my fingers are just shaking from uh, hitting the buttons. And I don't know what's going on. Whatever it was really hit me. And at the age of 27, I'm not used to the the muscles and joints uh, going yet. But excited to be back. So I talk football. And good thing, because I was going to say, how dare you go against Uncle Gary, uh, Adam? How dare you? Uncle Gary all the way, man. If, uh, I'll be okay with Montreal winning the Cup this year. Well, we had a great weekend in the CFL with the division semifinals. Playoffs officially began, and we had two great games. We're going to be here and recap them all today, uh, or both of them. I guess uh, there's only two. Uh, We're going to talk about the Great Cup halftime show being announced because we've been speculating about it for the last couple of weeks. Um, So uh, let's talk about who was announced. We'll do that shortly. We'll recap each of the games. We'll also take a look at the offseason ahead for the two teams eliminated this week, see what maybe changes could be on the uh, road ahead for them. Uh, and, of course, we'll recap our betting results and our CFL fantasy results here this evening. We'll also take your comments and your questions throughout the night as well, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or Facebook.com backslash MB. Uh, before we go any further, I also want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for the episode of the podcast, BetStamp. Uh, there are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you all of that info at no additional cost. You simply pull up the game on the BetStamp app to see the odds offered by each of the different sports books. Uh, and it helps you place the bet that's going to maximize the return for the pick you're making. If you find some odds you like, you can sign up at the corresponding site and link it directly to your BetStamp account through the BetLink page. Easily track your wagers as you go along. And if you want extra insight, 
Check out the commission-free BetStamp Marketplace. You can see the picks others are making, and through their verified bet tracking features, you get the guarantee that the odds are legitimate. Uh, you can find RCFL picks there every single week under the username CF Countdown Pod. Visit betstamp.app or sign up uh, from your local app store. Download it there. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers, and remember, always bet responsibly. All right. Well, let's get just, into just things. like that idiot that put thirteen grand on the New York Jets to win, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was absurd. What, what <laughs> but it paid off. I mean, but it paid off. Well, yeah, I did. But I mean, still, what a fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do not do that. Don't take the, the, if if that happens, it's once in a blue moon. Don't do it. Uh, not worth the risk. But yeah, bet responsibly and have fun doing so. Uh, all right, let's start off with Grey Cup halftime show announcement here. Uh, the CFL officially announcing many spec much speculation for quite a while who it was going to be. There were a lot of rumors thrown around. We thought maybe it was going to be the Wiggles. Um, no, it is a trio of country stars. Tyler Hubbard, uh, Jordan Davis, and Josh Ross are the three uh performers for the gray cup halftime show this year and uh i don't know what do you guys think about it let's go with you to you here first trey uh are you i know you're more you're kind of a country music guy are you excited about the uh the halftime show i was gonna say look at me i look like a trucker man right now with my, my goatee and hat and everything i i, I don't I understand. I don't uh, personally. I like it because yeah, I'm a country guy. I don't mind. I know it's half a Florida Georgia line, but we can get into that later. Where a band breaks up, you're not likely to get the whole. You're not getting the Beatles. You're only going to get Paul McCartney right now, right? So, um, but you're going to get Tyler uh, Tyler Hubbard of Florida Georgia Line, one of the one if not the most popular country bands of the last five ish years. You know what I mean? They've toured with Luke Bryan. They've toured with a bunch of people. They have. Uh, uh, they have a, re- a collab with BB Rexa, who's pretty popular. They're a pretty popular band. Uh, Jordan Davis as well, too. He's more of an up-and-comer, I think. And then Josh Josh Ross being a Canadian, getting a Canadian flavor in there. I don't mind it because a lot of people um, a lot of people complain about it because they're like, oh, three random guys. That can work in country, right? It's not necessarily three random guys. I like it. But again, I understand it's not the demographic that for most, it's not the demographic for most CFL fans. But my thought of this, I got late last night when I can't sleep and I stare off into the distance, you know, thinking of Trey thoughts. What Maybe the halftime show shouldn't be for the demographic that's already here. You know what I mean? At to some degree, because you do want to try to bring in that crowd. It is in Regina. You're thinking maybe more country and stuff with some of the, and it's kind of the more pop, popular-ish in the younger generation, right? So I don't mind it. Adam, what do you think? Well, first things first, Chris, if Willie Nelson was coming, I'd be all over that. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm excited about this act for another reason, because you're right, Trey. It's a younger generation that knows Florida Georgia Line and Jordan Ross. Uh, it's not the old group that would be more used to uh, George Strait and uh, some of those guys. So to me, I think it's a great pick for a halftime act for the CFL. I mean, they have all those kind of songs that somebody at least has heard of a few times on the radio waves, and especially in Regina. I mean, country music is a big thing in Regina and Yorkton uh, with almost all of the Harvard stations. I know most of them are playing country. Uh, So to me, I think it's a good choice. I don't know if this was the uh, uh, CFL committee's first choice, 
just by the way this was announced and by the way it was done. Again, I think that might be the uh, first choice there, Trey. He's holding up a Nickelback shirt for those uh, listening in later. But, um, no, I, I like the choice because, again, you've got the right demographic in Saskatchewan. You've got a young demographic they're kind of going for. And the older demographic, uh, again, I can't believe I'm almost saying that we're almost like that I'm almost getting to the older demographic, still knows those songs really well. And I've heard them quite a few times, either while you're in the combine or wherever you are, you've heard of Florida Georgia Line. Like them or hate them, you still have heard of them and you can still kind of sing along to their songs uh, anywhere you are. So to me, it's a good pick. Uh, would I have liked to see something else? Yeah, a little bit. Because I'm not, I'm personally not a big fan of Florida Georgia Line, but I mean, there are a lot of people that are. So it's a good choice to me especially probably in a last minute choice. Like it sounds like it probably was. I think it's a very good uh, way they did this, right? Well, here's what intrigues me. And I don't know where copyright laws and stuff fall into this, right? If the band broke up and only one member is performing, are we going to see them perform many of their, you know, combined songs? I was going to say they use one of their songs in the Grey Cup promo. Wasn't okay. it Cruz that they were using for the Great Cup promo? So if they have the rights to use it for the promo, you would think? You would think so then. You yeah. know, again, yeah. I was going to say that in the group chat, and I completely forgot yesterday because I was like, oh, they're playing Cruz. You would think that they would be able to play Cruz at halftime. So Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe there was some negotiations that went into that, or maybe he holds the rights for them. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I don't think this was the first choice. I think it was a last-minute choice. I think... Uh, I kind of disagree with you guys. I think it's a lazy choice because aren't two of the, these three guys the same guys they've been pumping up and playing their music during the intros and outros of the commercial breaks on TSN all season long? It seems like kind of this was the last minute. Well, we already have a connection with these guys, so we'll pull them in here uh, because that's what we were able to get. And, you know, maybe like... I, I'm decently into the country music uh, genre, I would say. I think I've maybe fallen a bit behind on it in the last couple of years where maybe like these names don't stand out to me. Maybe they are huge uh, names in the country scene right now. Um, I still think, like you said, Trey, I think a, a halftime show like this where you have three guys performing together can be a great show. I, I think it'll be a, an enjoyable show to watch. My hot take is... After it's been announced, once we get to Grey Cup Sunday, I really don't care how good the, the halftime show is because that's not going to take a, change my personal enjoyment of the Grey Cup game. I'm there for the football. What I see the huge thing about the Grey Cup halftime show is, is the hype and drawing people in. Once we, the tickets are sold, once people either watch the game because of this on Sunday or not, how good the concert is isn't really going to impact you know the future of the CFL a whole ton. So... My concern here, while I think it could be a good performance that I'll enjoy, is I don't know if these are names that are going to draw in the extra crowd that you that really the whole purpose of the halftime show is for. Well, I'll argue this one a little bit on you there, Ryan, because remember that the Great Cup has been sold out here since uh, August, September, roughly. So... To me, it wasn't about the uh, halftime show really much. I mean, everybody wanted to know it. What bothered me, though, was the way they announced this. Again, it was the timing. Uh, they did this on eTalk, which how many CFL fans watch eTalk? Come on. 
I'm sure Ryan and Trey, Trey, that I'm sure he's never missed an episode, but we never know. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you did it on eTalk. Meanwhile, TSN has been pumping the tires on this uh, QEW rivalry between Hamilton and Toronto the whole time. They announced it right during that on another channel. What are you doing? Like, you can't go and uh, contradict your own marketing by going and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to announce a halftime show over here, but also you got to go and watch this uh, uh, Toronto Hamilton rivalry uh, documentary. I mean, the documentary was a very good documentary. I got a guy excited about possibility of maybe Hamilton going and playing Toronto, which uh, we'll talk about later on now about that. But uh, again, how many guys really watch eTalk? Is it the right demographic putting it on eTalk? To me, it was that part was very poorly done. Uh, but the act itself, I think, is a decent enough act that the CFL won't take too much flack for it. But I just worry about more of the way that they're announcing things and the marketing for the CFL again, which has been a big problem all year. Uh, I think that's more of the issue in this. Trey, am I wrong? No, you're right. And just to Chris in the comments, there's only two members of Florida Georgia Line and one's here. So it's 50-50. So who knows? And no, I... So it was on, I don't even have cable. So I didn't even, like, you know what I mean? I literally only have uh, the subscription. So I have TSN, Sportsnet, and all the Netflix, Disney's. That's all I watch. So I, I didn't know who the halftime, I was refreshing Twitter. And then I got the little TSN app that says, you know, who was announced. So that's how I knew. But if you're putting it on eTalk on CTV, when you don't even play games on CTV, right? Like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of bass asquards, isn't it? A little bit, you know, you would think that you would put it, why wouldn't you put games there then if you're going to announce the halftime show for one and for two, I see where you're saying laziness, Ryan, but I would have thought it was lazier if they took Shania for the third time. Yes. Everyone wants Shania. Yes. I get that. Or even Nickelback for a second time. If you start kind of digging into the redigging into the barrel again and again and again, kind of gets a little lazy. They got three guys who have never been it before. A guy who's a part of a band that's again one of the top in country over the last however long they've been, maybe 10 years. I feel like I was listening to their music in bars 10 years ago. Um, you know, I think it's the best choice you can have, and regardless of who it was supposed to be, that's what we got. And like you said, Ryan, it, it doesn't matter. It's a was the game was sold out a long time ago. I guess maybe it cuts into beer and food sales if not everyone goes, but tickets are paid for. Does the CFR really care? No, probably not. They just probably don't want a half-empty stadium, but at the same time, they got their money. They're happy. I would almost argue eTalk is the perfect place to go and announce it because the the, the diehard CFL fans are going to see this on social media or they're going to see it on the CFL website or they're going to see the advertisements for it during CFL playoff games. You want to go and announce it in a market where – Maybe there's people that aren't watching CFL. Heck, put it in the middle of Saturday. Announce in the middle of Saturday morning cartoons. Is that still a thing? Do you think they did that to test out CTV? Oh. You know what I mean? Like to see, because that's all you see people complaining about is why aren't the games on CTV? Well, maybe let's put a big announcement like this and see what it stirs. And if this stirs, then we put a game. Maybe Genius Sports is doing more than we think in the background. Huh? <laughs> well, didn't, didn't, didn't Ambrosi say that they overperformed first year? I thought I saw that somewhere was reported. Apparently. Yes, so, but also Randy Ambrosi said it, that that's what he's holding his head I on. Know. So I know, but you, you, you'd hope that the guy doesn't lie just looking at us, looking at the fans in the eye, right? You know, you'd think he would try to, I don't know. I give people benefit. 
more than I should. Friendly Manitoba. I don't know. That's the only I thought of. Like, I didn't even know this until you guys just said it where it was announced. I had no idea. I, I just was, you know, so. Yeah, see, the Chris makes the point. The NFL is on CTV, but that's why I would start pushing to move playoffs to Saturday. You know what I mean? Or maybe even put the Great Cup. The Great Cup's always a little earlier in the afternoon, depending on where it is. Maybe started at 3 on Sunday. So at least you're just competing with the th- those games, not the Sunday nighter. You know what I mean? So there are options you could do to make it work on CTV. But yeah, well, I, was just, I was just looking up one thing here too. Tyler Hubbard and Jordan Davis are part of the Florida Georgia line. Uh, that was a two out of the three in the band. Is Jordan Davis? There are three. There are three in the oh, band. I, so oh. Hubbard and Davis are a part of that band originally, but then uh, Josh Ross uh, is the Canadian that's just kind of getting up and going and. Uh, has some good songs. I mean, I, I've been listening to them all year. And uh, whenever they play the uh, third quarter, between third and fourth quarter, they always play them. Apparently, you, the best time. You're really but, changing uh, everything from me here because Florida Georgia Line has two guys in it: Tyler Hubbard and Brian Kelly. Yes, but after they cut down, then Jordan Davis came in when Kelly left. It's still oh, okay. Okay, that's new to me then. Okay, okay. I'm not yeah. trying to argue about it because I've here. been googling it all day too, trying to figure out this who Jordan Davis is because I kind of know him. Yeah. But, well, we uh, presume at least one member of Florida Georgia Line will show up on field on <laughs> Sunday on Grey Cup Sunday. Tyler Hubbard. Tyler Hubbard's the main one. He's always been the main one. He's the voice that sings 99 of the time that you recognize. The other guys are just usually background harmonizing stuff so he's the guy you want if you're gonna get this so anyway yep well we know who's gonna be on the field at halftime at the gray cup but we still have yet to know who's gonna be the two teams playing in it and we're down to four now because the uh division semifinals took place this week and let's start off with the east semifinal the hamilton tiger cats go into montreal the Alouettes pull out a 28-17 to 17 win, a dominant victory here, it seemed. Well, at least early on, it was a pretty, it seemed like a pretty dominant game here by the Montreal Alouettes, uh, and they hold on with an 11-point victory here at home. Uh, what stood out to you guys in this game here? Uh, let's start with you, Adam. I think right off the bat, actually, what stood out to me was uh, – the amount of passes over to Jake Winicky right off the bat. Uh, got him going early in this game here. Got him the uh, first touchdown of the game. And really nothing turned back because Montreal's defense started standing on top of Hamilton's throat. Uh, for example, Mike Jones uh, got two interceptions. and They were very timely interceptions when they needed to be done. And I think a player that we'll be talking about a little later on and definitely uh, throughout the uh, week here was Tyrese uh, Beverett. Uh Two defensive tackles, but again, had that big sack right at the end of the game to really seal it for the Montreal Alouettes. And again, this is the former Ticats, so that was a big thing also going into this game. Uh, Another player that I really was watching that I think had a very, very good game that really got this Alouettes team going was um, Walter Fletcher. Had actually a really big game, could have got three touchdowns and probably should have got at least two of those. Uh, Got one instead because of two getting called back, essentially. But uh, no, had a very big game, very big running game. And I think now you have a running back controversy of all things in Montreal uh, between him and William Stanback, which is something I didn't think I'd say before this. Uh, Trey, what were you looking at that was uh, kind of the keys to this one? 
I just had a thought because seeing Chris talk about how he was taking Montreal in July. Did I not take Montreal in the preseason? I got to watch that again. I'm pretty sure they were going to be my number two team. And if I didn't say they were going to be the East champs, I sure really wanted to. Because I, I thought I this. I know I had them as uh, East uh, champions because yeah, that's what Montreal. So. Yeah, this was the game. I think it was them in Toronto, which I really thought this was going to be the division and end up being. And Adam, you kind of took, but what's Trey's number one key to winning the game? Run the ball. 77 yards for Fletcher, 66 for Stanback. What, 130? My quick math skills there. Verdant education system, thank you. Uh, compared to 37 on Hamilton's, like, you're not going to win a game in November running the ball 37 yards. You, you're not. And even if you can throw Tim White, you could add a hundred, another 100 yards to him over his 142 already. It's going to be tough to win without running the ball. And it's that that's what just I, the team that's going to run the ball the most is going to win. And especially in outdoor games, it wasn't freezing in Montreal. Uh, you should see the snow we got today. It's going to be a good one on Sunday. But, you know, it, yeah, just got to keep running the ball. Hamilton, they have it. I, I, I don't mind West Hills, guys. Like, why do they not? Why do they refuse to go to and, uh, Thomas Erlington? Like, they, they got some good, decent hard running running like hard running backs there i don't know why they don't use them what's your like is it just philosophy like i don't know i think it's just the offensive play calling of tommy condell just hasn't been sharp all season long and we saw it again here i i think there were times when they showed flashes this season but just didn't do it consistently so that's the biggest knock i have on on that side of things for the tie cats on the other side of things yeah, Montreal delivered in this one. I believe preseason predictions, just going back to it, I think the two of you were higher on the Alouettes going into the year. I was kind of average to low on them. I wasn't too impressed with what they did in the offseason. I think I had them like third in the East. I think Mike may have had them at the bottom in the East division. So so you guys were definitely you know leading the charge here on, on the Alouettes as a good team. Uh, I'll, I'll just that was Vernon Adams Alouettes. I will say that I thought it was Vernon Adams going to run this show, but I will still take the credit for it. Hey, and Trevor Harris, neither one of us predicted that William Stanback was out in game one of the season yeah. as well. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to point out too is on the Hamilton side of the football, we've seen it all year. They had one receiver that they relied on, it was Tim White. Same thing here. I mean, Tim White had what 140 plus yards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm just going to take a look here. 142. Yeah. Yeah. Targets. yeah. So, I mean, they were just using Tim White as much as they possibly could. Quarterbacking just, again, all season it's been a, a question. And it showed up in the game here again this week. Uh, at the uh, preview show, I know I said that if they uh, can get some pressure over on, uh, on their quarterbacks in Hamilton – if they could get the pressure over on Dane Evans, or even if it went over to Matthew Schiltz, this game was going to be over. And that's pretty much what stood out to me as well. Dane Evans was getting hit, losing the football. Uh, he got an interception on him, and that was the end of him. Matt Schiltz came out in the second half. I mean, he he tried. He had one good series uh, that finally got a pass over to Stephen Dunbar, I think it was, uh, for the touchdown. But after that, again, it was just Montreal stifling him and essentially going and starting to put the pressure on and then it was all over for that tie caps you know it's a weird stat line so yeah dane evans played the first half he was he only had 10 passing attempts but they weren't running the ball so what the heck was happening with the football like you know it was just if you're not running it you're not throwing it 
I didn't realize that he didn't. That, that was a weird first half, only throwing it 10 times and barely running the ball. And then, yeah, Schultz comes in and doesn't passes for more yards. But yeah, does, I don't know. It It's weird. I don't even know what to start with Hamilton. Feeling bad. What did they have 22, 23 great cup years out now? Yeah, I hope they don't hit 29. I don't, you know, and uh, <laughs> they're getting close, though. And hope, you know, they got the Grey Cup next year, right? So hopefully they can put something together a little better than the current host Grey Cup team, right? So, yeah, well, I just had a question for both of you then. Do we think the Tie Cats are starting to need to be pull the pin on maybe doing a rebuild here, or is this. Well, let's get in. Let's get into that in a second here in a little bit. We'll we'll talk about where Hamilton goes here into the off season. But uh, focusing on this game specifically, uh, Montreal just came out of the gate flying. Like they put up 14 points in the first quarter. They moved the ball very efficiently. Probably the most efficiently we've seen them move the ball on offense all season long. Like you said, Trey, you expected the Vernon Adams Alouettes to lead the division this year. Uh, Trevor Harris, though, to his credit. Almost 80% passing, 243 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, he uh, he got it done. He got the, you know, it's not super flashy numbers, but it's good game management numbers, uh, which he was able to do here. The defense uh, delivered, and they did so very disciplined. Uh, 60 yards of penalties only on six, six flags for 65 yards. Like, if Montreal can keep, you know, that up throughout the rest of the playoffs, I think they have the capacity to compete with anybody. Uh, you know, you got, I think it was Chandler Worthy had a huge return late in the game to kind of seal this one away for them as well. You had Eugene Lewis, the East MOP is, you know, putting up 98 yards. He's doing Eugene Lewis things. Uh, Jake Winicky, I called it on the preview show, a big week for Winicky. Did I listen to my own advice and put him in my fantasy lineup? Of course not, but Adam did. So that's good. At least somebody uh, benefited from that. Yeah, really curious, like you guys have talked about already, that Walter Fletcher, you know, seems to be taking more and more of the carries over in Montreal here. And part of me almost wonders, like, going into the offseason, I don't know contract statuses, I don't know how much money everybody makes, but you have to imagine William Stanback was paid a pretty penny, especially after he went down for a tryout in the NFL and came back. Is, do you guys think it's just them still easing him back from his injury and he's not truly 100%? Do you think they're so high on Walter Fletcher that perhaps they, dare I say, move on from Stanback in the offseason and go with the cheaper play of maybe Fletcher and Antley? To me, I think you maybe want to consider it. I mean, you look at how Walter Fletcher played this game. I mean, 11 yards average per carry, that that's crazy numbers. And you did not pay Walter Fletcher a whole pile to be on the Montreal Alouettes team. I mean, you took a contract from Edmonton, essentially, that I'm sure was not a top contract for a running back. If you can get away with Antwi and Walter Fletcher and make it work, the the problem is, is there's so many running backs out there that are very good running backs that, and I mean, we've heard this time and time again, you never draft a running back in the NFL, I believe, anymore until the second round because there are so many, if I'm not mistaken. So in that case, when you got a guy that's getting paid probably around maybe 180, 190, maybe even more, or a guy that's getting paid league minimum and is getting you just as effective of yards, if not more right now, uh, it's hard to say to move on from William Stanback because there are other teams that would absolutely love to have a guy like William Stanback. Uh, one that I could think of is the guys that I've got the hat for today, 
I know they got Andrew Harris, but you know what? How long is that going to be for? Uh, well, I mean, let's face it. William Stanback is a good, very good running back. Ottawa's another one that I could think of that would love a guy like that. Uh, even out West, I mean, you can't tell me Edmonton wouldn't think about it. I know they signed a running back, but Kevin Brown is still a young, developing running back. Well, uh, William Stanback is one of those guys who could really, uh, really go and do something for you. And uh, Tim, you got a good point as well that he's got a two-year extension in February. Uh, let's face it, no contract is guaranteed in the CFL, and I'm sure that one wasn't a time when they had the uh, uh, guaranteed money still in there. So to me, if he's do a bonus or something else in February, it'll be very interesting to watch what Montreal does, Trey. I just want to jump in real quick here. Sorry. Okay. I, I I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's on the decline necessarily. For, for me, it would be a money thing. That's why I brought up this conversation. If he's on a two-year deal, I don't know if he's worth cutting necessarily, but if he was a free agent, I could see them moving on. But what do you think, Trey? Well, I just, I find it interesting because you, they still went to stand back. He got more carries. He was 10 carries versus Fletcher's seven. And they both got past the ball four times in the game. So he, it, it might've just been playoff football strategy. You got two backs there. You know, I would call them a slightly different uh, skill set. You know, Fletcher's kind of more the quick guy and stand back's kind of the more power guy. You kind of, and you know, you, you went to stand back later in the game when it was time to chew up the clock and the yards. Right. So I, I looked at it more like that. Yeah, maybe his health is still not 100% and easing it back into it. Coming into the offseason, if you got the salary cap, I would keep the two. You know, it's not you, – you saw how valuable it was to have two guys all year. Again, it all depends on how fitting that puzzle in. But I would – I liked the duo yesterday. Like, you got the two different kinds of styles. They both were effective in the out of uh, – in the past game. Yeah, Adam, your hat's a little off. Um, but, you know – um it's uh yeah I, I liked it and that's that's the key you don't have to give it to one guy for 150 yards you can spread the fantasy points around right except it sucks when you play fantasy and that happens but uh yeah you're right he did get a, a heavy workload uh, or a decent workload there still and uh i do think it's still one of the most talented running backs in the cfl and any team would be lucky to have him on the other side of the ball, the tie cats, you know, just to weigh in on what they, they did in this game as well. Like this is now what three, four straight playoff games the tie cats have played where they switched quarterbacks halfway through. Like you go back to the playoffs last year where it was the East final and Dane Evans came in for Mazzoli in the second half, went 16 of 16, led them to the Grey Cup. Then he started that game. I know he left due to injury, but he wasn't playing well. Mazzoli came in, played good. Dane Evans starts slow in this one. Matt Schiltz comes in, marches them downfield for a touchdown right away, and you start thinking maybe Hamilton's going to come back to win this one. There is one thing I do have to give credit to Coach Orlando Steinauer for is he's one, I think the, his biggest asset of his skill set is his ability to make those halftime adjustments because I feel like quite often we see a Ticats team that is maybe down going into the half and is able to pull the rabbit out of their hats. They just unfortunately weren't able to do so in this one and my biggest takeaway you touched on it already Adam is there's no depth on offense there for the tie cats like it's Tim White they had 130 yards of offense in the first half and he had a hundred of them uh they had like six completed passes he had five West Hills was the only other one with a reception like 
you're not going to win a playoff football game if you're doing that. So the Ticats, I think, need some depth. I think they're a team that is, you know, uh, getting up there in age at some positions, which brings us on to our next topic here. As we say goodbye to them for the 2022 season and the drought continues, where do the Hamilton Tiger Cats go from here for you guys? Uh, is this a team that for, are you sticking with Orlando Steinauer as your head coach uh, going into next year? Are you blowing things up and kicking off the rebuild? Are you trying to keep the core together to get it done one more time? You know, two two trips to the Grey Cup before this year. Uh, let's go to you here first, Trey. What, what do you think on uh, the tie cats and what this off season could look like? You talked a lot about fancy games admit or how Hamilton's played in over the last few years, but just like my girlfriend, they have no ring yet. Right. So we got to get that, you know, and it's it, in a nine team league that she's setting right there. So that's why I thought it would be funny to say, but, um, in a nine team league, you go 20 some years without winning a cup. Like that's, and I saw something about, like, I think Tear Kicker, uh, Tear Kicker Bob's almost had the team for that whole time, you know. So there's something they won't blow it up because it seems like they're going the process. And, you know, that's what we've been saying in Winnipeg for five, six years with Osh, you know, the process, the process. But at some time, the process needs to actually work. And is it working? We could flip on the other side of the field. What did Montreal do week? five six or whatever it was and where are they now they're one game away from going to the great cup and that was a question i was thinking about does uh machota find a replacement for himself if montreal wins the great cup like why would you if they don't if it's not broke don't fix it right you know so from this side though ah, they should do something you know they need to do something but i don't know what it's they're not gonna blow it up aren't like they should but will they adam yeah, I, I'm not sure about Hamilton. I mean, part of me says that they're getting very old. Uh, some of these guys on their team, you look at Simone Lawrence, I just don't know if he's going to be coming back to the Hamilton after this year, just because really he probably wants to go after that great cup ring. And I don't know if Hamilton really has the horses to do it. Again, I've been talking about their depth all night. You look at guys that have been in their roster this whole year. It, it's been very, very limited on what they've actually produced. Other than Tim White, Tim White has been great. Uh, but you look at a guy that I think has been a disappointment, Lamar Durant. He had one catch in this game. He hasn't had really anything going on this whole season, even though he was probably brought in to fill that Canadian spot that really is missing for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, where they could run maybe a little bit more American on the offensive line and give their quarterback a little bit more of a chance. The other part is both of these uh, quarterbacks I don't believe are good enough to get the job done in Hamilton so unless you're going to tell me that Dane Evans or Matthew Schultz can actually produce we haven't seen it this whole year uh, in games that they should win and games that they should have not lost uh, you look even at the game against Saskatchewan really it was a lot of foot shooting by Saskatchewan that caused Hamilton to win that game even against Calgary, it was the same thing. It wasn't the quarterbacks that won in those games. It was the other team not winning the game, essentially, is the way I've looked at this team all year. Yes, they've gotten some of those wins that uh, make them feel better, but it's not enough. And to me, I think it's time that they need to really evaluate the receiving core. They need to evaluate the quarterback situation. And they got to evaluate what they're doing with the football because 
I don't think Tommy Condell this year has played a very good game at all for that offense. You've got to go with a more balanced attack in the CFL. You have only three downs. I understand that. But you look at some of these other running teams that have done extremely well. Uh, for example, Calgary, we're going to talk about them in a minute, I'm sure. But they've had a great running game all season, and they've relied on it heavily and have done very well for themselves. But they also have the receiving core to prove it. Uh, when they need those big yards from either Malik Henry or from somebody else on the on the Calgary Stampeders team, they get it. In Hamilton, they don't have the receiving core that is deep enough. Therefore, they don't really have also the uh, quarterback that can do it. So the you should be going to the run game, yet uh, Coach Condell seems to not want to do that. He still seems to want to get that pass off at all times. Uh, more of like a Ken Austin feel over still in Hamilton. I don't know. I, to me, I think he's got to start uh, really evaluating some positions again. I think the two main ones are receiver uh, and quarterback. I don't think the run game is that bad. I think you just don't use it. Said uh, on the defense as well, Hamilton wasn't getting quite the pressure that they should have maybe on a guy like Trevor Harris uh, because they were too worried about the run game coming at him. So that's usually a defensive line sort of thing. Maybe needs to be evaluated as well a little bit in the defensive side of the football for Hamilton. Uh, they are getting definitely a little bit older on that side. Uh, so there will be changes in Hamilton, I'm sure. I don't know how much, but uh, yeah, I, I think they have to do something because they're not going up from here, I don't think, with the team they've currently got, right? Well, I think you guys hit the, the nail on the head here of where to focus on for the team. And I think you may have said uh, a week or two ago, Trey, that uh, Hamilton's defense had the lowest fantasy point total out of any teams so far this year. So that screams... Uh, a defense that doesn't put up a ton of big plays. And that's historically what this group of guys has been, is a group that puts up a lot of big plays, uh, right? That's been their mainstay, and they just haven't been getting it done. And, yeah, there's not a ton of depth at wide receiver, or there's a couple promising players that maybe just need the time to develop, but then that's going to take the time to do a rebuild, and you can't kind of half-ass the rebuild if you're going to do that, uh, so to say. So, uh, you know, for Hamilton, I think maybe you look at you've got probably a lot of your money tied up in a lot of these veteran players here that on defense that maybe, you you know, go with a couple of younger guys there and, and move some of that money, get a couple, you know, key veterans in on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback. I don't know what to do, guys, because I want Dane Evans to succeed so bad. He's had a rough year. You know, he. He, he's had a rough career, really. You know, so much promise goes to Grey Cup twice, two hard games, injured in at least one of them there. Uh, this season, we know he's been, you know, it's been a mental battle for him all season long with uh, the team's struggles and his own struggles out there on the field. And I wonder how much is Dane Evans and how much is the offensive game plan? Like, I'm almost wondering, do you give these guys another shot at quarterback next year with presumably Tommy Condell gone. I think that's where you start. You look for a new offense coordinator because as Richard mentions in the chat, they need to rediscover what a running game would do to your passing game. Like, are we talking as much about their struggles if they're running the ball for, you know, 80, 100 yards a night versus 40 to 50? I don't think we're necessarily talking about it as much because that can change the whole game there for you. So 
I do think the Ticats are one of the teams most likely to be on, on a quarterback this offseason. Cody Fajardo feels like a very likely fit in, in Hamilton based on how I see the quarterback landscape playing out and I think would be a good fit for the team there. Uh, but I also wouldn't be opposed to them keeping some of these guys around as well. Uh, like Matt, Matt Schultz is a guy that I think never really got a shot in Montreal that has showed promise at times, maybe just needs the full chance to be a starter. So I'm probably not going into next year with him as my go-to starter necessarily myself. Uh, I'd probably try to bring in Cody Fajardo there, but uh, I think there is room on the roster for these guys still. I have a quick with Coach o, o being the president of football operations as well. Does that kind of make it harder to pull him? Because who's he's the guy making the call unless it comes from up top. And then do you worry about losing your president? Like you know what I mean? If you say, hey, maybe you shouldn't coach anymore. Well, then he'll say, oh, I don't, I don't know him as a guy. I'm saying, but hey, if my boss said, oh, we don't want you doing this, but you can do your other job, I'd be like, eh, well, you know. So well, I don't know. It, it makes things tough, right? When you got Jerry Jones coaching in a way, you know what I mean? Like the president coaching, it's hard to get, get him out of there. And the coaches cap kind of throws a wrinkle into that too, right? Cause if you have a guy doing three, four roles in the organization and you say, yeah, he's uh, we're going to let him go. Well, you don't have probably the money to pay three, four separate guys, a decent salary to go and do their jobs. So you're going to have to find somebody else who can do them all. And I think the pickings are a little slim for that. The coaching cap is the dumbest. Sorry, yeah, Adam, you go. But in this team, like on this team here, I don't think the uh, the team was really lost by the head coach. Like if you look in Saskatchewan, I think the coach uh, lost the team essentially, right? Uh, over in Hamilton, I think Orlando Steinauer still has the team behind him. I just don't think I like the play calling from one of his sides. So in all honesty, if uh, Hamilton did what Saskatchewan did, I'd be a lot more happy with it because – I still think they got a good defensive game plan. I think Orlando Steinauer is a pretty good coach yet. And I think it just needs something to be changed in that offense more than anything. So to me, I like I said, I wouldn't get rid of uh, Coach O. I maybe would, uh, you know, get rid of an offensive uh, side of the football and see what happens over there. Yeah, let's move on to – or you have a final thought here? I was going to say, where's the line then? You know what I mean? That's all – and that, that's my last – there's not really an answer to it, but there's got to be a line somewhere. Like I said, look at Montreal, what they did. They're kind of pulling – what was it, the St. Louis Blues or whoever did it a few years ago in the NHL. You know, they're they're on the roll for it. So it might have to be some kind of change. Uh, but, yeah, let's go on to the West, man. I'm, I'm excited. How about that ankle? How did it – did it hold up? Are we sure? Well, the West semifinal, yes, that took place this weekend as well. Packed BC Place Stadium, 30,000 people there rocking and watching their BC Lions take down the Stampeders 30-16. to 16. What a great day it was over in BC. What a fantastic event. You know, hats off to owner Amar Doman for the job he's done. Like, we talk so much about Gary Stern because he's out there on social media uh, talking about his team. I don't even think Amar Doman is on Twitter necessarily. I haven't seen him on there once this year, but he's been working so hard uh, behind the scenes to put together things for the team. They packed the house, they packed the upper bowl. Uh, they got a, a, you know, they got a great halftime performance. They had Sarah McLaughlin singing the opening anthem. 
Uh, Trey, you were mentioning to us yesterday there were some logistics issues, I guess, with a ferry pregame that they worked with the necessary parties to sort out. Uh, the social media and the video crew uh, for the Lions that just did a fantastic job as well. Like this was a this was good to see for for the future of football. I think for NBC, and I'm excited to see it. And certainly seeing their team perform the way they did in this game is also going to help with that because they put on a pretty solid football game here. Uh, Nathan Rourke, let's start there. 321 yards, 73% passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Ran the ball one carry for five yards. A lot of question marks coming into the game. How that ankle was going to hold up, how he was going to do in this game. Uh, You know, could he go back to the form he was at before? Adam, what's your take on this performance from Nathan Rourke? Uh, did he live up to the hype uh, coming back from injury? Well, let's put it this way, Ryan. I'm wondering if I can be co-chair of the uh, Nathan Rourke Hall of Fame Club because, wow, did he play a good game. I mean, just his arm mechanics are absolutely incredible for a young guy. And the poise and the accuracy and the decision-making, it's just utterly amazing that this is a 24-year-old quarterback. This guy plays like he's 34 years old in his prime because – he just makes such amazing passes. I could think of one there uh, that he made to Brian Burnham. Two guys from Calgary, if he had that ball a half a second too late, we're picking that off and probably going for six. Absolutely amazing throws, accurate throws that only his receivers can get. And by the way, he's doing this on one foot, essentially, because, yeah, the foot was a little bit of an issue this game. So to me, this guy here, I mean, if he is an MOP, who is? I mean absolutely steps up and i know trey's going to be arguing me this a uh, little bit on the mop part but nevertheless this has been a guy that has just come back and absolutely took the football back and went with what he had and he was missing pieces in this game he did not have lucky whitehead which has been one of his main go-to guys this season when he was in he had alexander hollands so what do you do alexander hollands and make some big plays who had the opening touchdown in this game I love the calls from Rick Campbell in this game as well. The third and one uh, kind of dump pass over the top to uh, 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 Keon Hatcher from uh, – uh, my brain is dead. Just sorry about that. Antonio uh, Pipkin. There we go. Antonio Pipkin, which is incredible. I mean, Pipkin's known as a running quarterback, and you're letting him go and make such a little floater over to uh, to Hatcher. And it was just a great, great call by the uh, – by the BC Lions, and absolutely Nathan Rourke let him know the field trick. Was the catch you're talking about the one that I thought was actually picked, or was that a different one even? Okay, because there was one that I thought was, I I just was half watching, I was doing other stuff, and (laughs) I thought it was picked, because that's how of a dumb throw I thought it was, but he made it look beautiful, and yeah, as someone who's had an ankle injury from playing football, I, I still, it still hurts, and I haven't played high school football in like I don't know, eight years so it's not the it's an injury that can linger and you could see that he was in discomfort you could see he was limping every time he was on the sidelines he had it elevated and he was still throwing that that's why I kind of bet against him the gambler in me was like like you said he's only 24 this could be the first time he's come back off a big injury like this it's a playoff game 40,000 people you don't know how the kid's gonna react you know it could be a bull in a china shop no, he he played. He played, and I'll admit that I did not think he was going to do it. 
Now the question is, is he going to do it two games in a row? Now outside, now different team. Is he going to play it three weeks in a row again, an outside and Regina game? You never know. We'll find out, right? But wow. Yeah. And just to touch on the very thing, there would have been CFL teams that would have said, ah, tough luck. You know, the boat, the fair, I think the ferries got canceled from Vancouver Island at some point, right? That was what it's, some teams could have just said, ah, you're SOL. No problem. You know, wouldn't even put anything on social media. That's all I saw on Sunday morning and Sunday early afternoon was BC Lions tweeting about extra buses. Make sure you get to this terminal. Make sure you get there. Make sure you do this. Please tell everyone, you know, they got the message out. Like how many social media teams in this league probably wouldn't have said anything. If there was a bus canceled from one end of Winnipeg to uh, to the IG field, you might never know, you know, and most of the people wouldn't know. So yeah, hats off to them on that. And yeah, it's these ownerships are great right now with the one in BC, Edmonton's and Montreal. I love seeing it. I love seeing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what is dumb because MLSC does such a great job for uh, the Argo, uh, the Argos. Um, not that, uh, they, they absolutely do not. No, they absolutely do not. The, they do such a great job for TFC, um, the Raptors and the, Le- well, the Leafs market themselves. And so they're the Raptors, but they do such a great job for TFC. I don't understand. TFC is an internationally known wide organization. It's a whole different thing. But anyway, but back to the BC. Great job, BC. Halftime show. Mm, let's go. I'm excited for this week coming up. And I just wanted to bring up, too, again, this social media team has just been doing an incredible job. Those videos that they've been producing for the pregame or for the postgame or for just to get people hyped up. It feels like a mini NFL team already. It's It's been getting ex- more and more hyped at every time that they play. I can't wait to see what they do in Winnipeg. Uh, and no, Winnipeg's no slouch in social media either. They do a great job. But BC has been on their game this year. And you're right about the whole thing uh, that the Fairies couldn't make it. I mean, they were picking up people from the mainland. They were picking up people right from the lower valley, I guess it is. And just getting anybody that they could get up to that stadium, they were going to get it the, get them there. I mean, they had to get their $5 mimosa in them somehow that game before the uh, pregame show. And by the way, that's another thing. They do $5 mimosas and beers and cocktails before the game. I mean, they're getting people excited to come out. It's an event. And uh, yeah, kudos to BC. They've done an amazing job this year. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do in two years as well for the Grey Cup, right? Yeah, Nathan Rourke in this game showed me, interestingly, a kind of a different skill set because I don't think he was as mobile and scrambling out of the pocket in this one, right? Like, that's kind of where he succeeded the most early in the season one is being able to make those throws on the run. And here he kind of stood in and, yeah, he took some hits along the way, but he, you know, was able to make some of those crisp passes as well to get it done. So, that was exciting to see that different skill set from him here to get it done. Also, uh, as Richard in our chat uh, here mentions, uh, the team around him just feels like a different team and they play better with him. I think that's the huge reason he's in there and the uh, and why I'm so high on the Lions is because I see the impact on the team, on the offensive game plan that he makes. And they, they got it done to their credit. I mean, James Butler, 20 carries, 95 yards. Uh, he outran the Calgary duo at running back in this game. If you would have told me, pre- what's that? James Butler was also hurt in this game. Yeah. 
but, but tw- 20 carries. So uh, he got it done. Uh, and if you would have told me preseason that um, the two leading receivers in a, a BC Lions first round playoff game were going to be Keon Hatcher and Alexander Hollins when you have a roster with uh, Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, and Dominic Ryans and J- Javon Katoy. Like, I expected these guys to be, what, fifth, sixth receiver? I didn't even know who Alexander Hollins was coming into this year. Uh, and they both delivered big games. Hatcher, I think, had his career highest game, 162 yards. Uh, that's enough on the offense. I mean, the offense was incredible. The defense for BC did a heck of a job here as well. Uh, we really thought Calgary's offensive line was going to be one of their biggest assets in this game. And, you know, the run game, Kadeem Carey, Diedrich Mills, was going to cause havoc for the Lions. They got to the quarterback actually a number of times here in this one on defense, uh, and they completely shut them down. Kadeem Carey, eight carries, 43 yards. Mills was just used two carries for 16. And, uh, well, I did not expect to see this on the stats sheet going into the night either. The leading passer for the Calgary Stampeders in this football game, Bo Levi Mitchell with 147 yards passing because they completely shut down Jake Mayer. He didn't get anything going. 54% pass, 138 yards. The Stamps go to Bo Levi Mitchell in the second half to try to turn it around. He makes it interesting there for a bit. He, he you know, played very well in the, the time he was in there. But they don't get it done here. So uh, on the other side of the ball, what, what what went wrong here for Calgary, for a team that uh, it, it seemed like, you know, had all the pieces available to them to go out and get a win here? Right. Odd play calling. I'm going to go with that. I'm not going to put it all on coaching because the players still need to get it done. But there was like a third and short when you got wild thing, uh, Tommy Stevens, and then you go wide and they get stopped. You know, it's uh, taking field goals or going for it here. It just seemed weird to me. And they didn't run as much as you think they should have, right? Like, Kadeem Carroll only got eight carries for 43 yards. You know, they kind of were mixing it up a little bit, but they never established it. It was talked about so much. It was almost like, I think they made the joke on the broadcast, like the first three or four plays for Calgary was all throws. And they're like, well, we're all talking about the run game. So we're just going to throw it. It seems like that was the idea that, well, they're obviously going to stop the run because we know they know we're going to do it. So let's throw. Can never abandon the run. Everyone in the house knows you're going to run the ball. You just got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. And that's football. You got to win, even though when they know what you're doing and they didn't do it, defense couldn't uh, stop. Nathan Rourke, and now we're talking about Calgary. Uh, they're offseason already, right? And didn't they say that some coaching changes were going to happen or potentially? So, you know, it's another offseason, a long offseason here. And you know, actually, one part that I was really confused about, why wouldn't you have uh, not dressed uh, or taken Diedrich Mills off of the roster? He only had two carries in this whole game for 16 yards. You've got a guy like Logan, uh, Logan Paul or Jake Paul. Uh, sorry. No, definitely not those two guys. They're busy in wrestling matches. Peyton Logan is the one you're looking Peyton for. Peyton Logan, there we go. Man, am I having a night. Anyways, uh, Peyton Logan had such great receiving and return yards all season. You look at what Calgary did on the return game. They've only started with maybe an average of uh, 20 yards, I think, out of uh, – Filippo and uh, just didn't have a really good return game all see all game here. And again, for running two plays for 16 yards out of Diedrich Mills, was that worth it? I don't think so. So again, I think that that was a big uh, issue right off the bat for the Calgary Stampeders. But again, you're right, Trey. It's the run game that was taught that brought you to the game. 
Uh, I would think that they would have stayed with the run game, but Kadeem Carey looked very average at best. Winnipeg, uh, BC had a very good uh, run uh, run defense, essentially, on the Calgary Stampeders. Then they started getting pressure over on Jake Mayer, which hasn't been done all season, essentially, with anybody. So BC had a great game plan coming into this one here. They played a very good game all around and just got pressure on Jake Mayer and on Bo Levi Mitchell in the fourth quarter as well, and just kept going on it. And when the run game doesn't work, well, eventually you do have to transition to that uh, pass game. And Malik Henry did what he could, but, I mean, at that point it was getting too little too late. They couldn't rely on their run game like they have in the past three, four, five weeks that's just been dominating. Uh, right. Yeah, and they also took timely penalties, like eight penalties, 83 yards. BC, on the other hand, had three for 28. So, and I think a couple of those penalties were ones that extended BC drives, which uh, kind of killed them here. So, yeah, for a team that you you think is, you know, pretty commonly, you know, well-disciplined, well-coached, I feel like there was a lot of interesting play calling, you know, costly penalties, questionable decision-making that, they, it's almost like they got in their heads a little bit in this game. And isn't that the case with Calgary in the playoffs? Like they spent, you know, they they seem to find a way to lose playoff games, you would argue, but on paper they have the ability to go out and win. And that's been kind of what's happened in the last couple of years. And I, I give them credit for making the halftime adjustment, but believe I Mitchell in there. And if that would have paid off, boy, would that have been, uh, you know, a heck of a choice there for them. Uh, I really like this question from Richard in the chat. Here's a hypothetical for you guys. If Bo Levi Mitchell came in and won the game and they're off to Winnipeg next week, would they have had to start him next week in Winnipeg after, you know, he's been on the bench since week 12, I think it was when Jake Mayer took over. I think, yeah, you do. I think you've got to start the quarterback that for all intents and purposes, you look at this score going into halftime or whenever they switch to Bo and say, yeah, we were probably going to lose this football game. And he came in and you go with the guy in the playoffs, you go with the guy that got you there. And in this case, at this point in time, the guy that got you there is Bo Levi Mitchell, right? And, and Jake Mayer, that's the first we've seen him in playoff performance. He wasn't doing fantastic in this one. Maybe you'd switch to the vet to try to get it done there. So, yeah, as much as I still think Mayer's the better quarterback on the roster right now, I'd be tempted to go with Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, what, do you, what about you, Trey? Oh, you, yeah, you would have went with Bo, and then Bo would have won in Winnipeg, and then you go with Bo and Regina, and he would have won there, and then you say to Saskatchewan or Hamilton, we'll trade you Jake Mayer, and we're going <laughs> over another year. Oh, if he did that, that's what you would almost have to do. Like At that point, you can't just let him sail off into the sunset like that, and I kind of was hoping for it yesterday because that would have been, like you say, Ryan, chaos, right? That would have been ultimate chaos if Bo Levi comes back and says, nah, nah, kid, Nathan Rourke, you sit down. It's still my time. That would have been something, but it looked like it for about half a play and then it, you know, and then it went, then it fizzled. But, oh, yeah, you have to keep going with the hot hand, right? Right, Adam? Yeah, you do. I mean, you looked at what Bo Levi Mitchell did. He came in on the 10-yard line at Calgary, threw one deep ball to Malik Henry, then went back and uh, I think he took a sack and then he threw another deep ball to Malik Henry. He got another first big first down. So to me, yeah, no, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell was was dealing in the end. And if he would have won that game for the B, against the BC Lions, there's no question in my mind that Dave Dickinson was going to go to him next week against the 
uh, defending Grey Cup champs. I mean, you have to at that point, I would think. Although, you're right, it would have made a real interesting storyline going into next week, that's for sure. I mean, hindsight. Now, look, I know it's hard to judge, but 8 for 11 for 147 yards versus 12 for 22, 138, you almost should have started Bo. You know, with those numbers, if you start bowing for the whole game, you you don't know what you would have had. He was he was dealing. I know you don't know that going into it, and I know Mayor's the guy you signed the contract. But yeah, looking back at it, Bo, it it, it you know because Jake Mayer's only twenty five. You know, we want to talk about Nathan Rourke not being in it. How many times on TSN they say both first games of these young guys? You know, Mayer might not have been prepared for it either. He might not, you know, and Bo's been there a thousand times and. So it was very interesting, but you have to go with Jake Mayer, obviously. But looking at it now, it's like, oh, Bo might have been the guy, and that could have been the difference. But, you know, on to next year. On to Cleveland, on to next year. Well, speaking of on to next year, uh, let's talk a little bit about where the Stamps go from here into the offseason because the team will look different than what we've historically known going into next year because Bo Levi Mitchell is all but gone. In his exit press since the the loss on on Sunday, he has – pretty much made it clear that's where things are headed for him. And uh, he basically said, you know, don't worry, Stamps fans. Like, you're in good hands. Jake Mayer's a heck of a young quarterback. Which, I got to say, that's nice to see. You know, Bo, I feel like he often gets kind of the the knock on not being the classiest guy. Or he's a guy that fans love to hate. And I just love seeing a comment like that for him where he's been like, yeah, you know, this is the matter of fact. They signed the new, they signed the kid to the deal and you pay him that money, you're going to start him. I don't want to be no backup, so I'm, I'm probably going to go somewhere else, but you're in good hands with him. That That's the happiest resolution to me from this all. As weird as it's going to be to see Bo in a different color next year, uh, it looks like he is off to somewhere else uh, for next season. There's also been some rumors that John Huffnagel, perhaps stepping down as GM of the Stampeders, I know we had Scott over on Twitter asking us, uh, doesn't we see Dave Dickinson getting a move upstairs into a more of a management role instead of coaching potentially uh, here for them? Calgary's interesting to me because they're a team that typically doesn't do a whole lot in the offseason, right? Like we hit free agency day. They're not making a huge big splash there. They're a team that'll do things through the draft or in training camp or in rookie camps and things like that. So what do you guys think from the Calgary going into the offseason here? What are you expecting from them uh, on any of these topics, Adam? Well, there's a couple things. One, of course, I think Bo Levi Mitchell, you're right, left the classiest way that he possibly could. He didn't go and leave by saying, you know, I hope some team wants me eventually. Uh, not saying that from any other team that I know of. But um, nevertheless, you know what, Bo Levi, it's going to be a turning of a page in Calgary for sure because, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell has been there since... I want to say 210, 211, somewhere around there. Um, so it's been a long time that they've had Bo Levi Mitchell leading the backfield. And it was a little bit of a transition this year with Jake Mayer. However, I want to point out that Jake Mayer hasn't had the stats, but he's a young quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this and what actually happens here. As per the uh, upper management kind of thing, I wouldn't be surprised if Calgary actually did do something. If Huffnagel just said, you know what, I'll be the president or operations manager and you'll be the GM, uh, Dick, uh, or Dickie, and to go from there. 
Uh, so, like I said, I don't know if Dave Dickinson maybe wants to do that quite yet. However, he's got a great uh, coach in the in the uh, backfield waiting for him in Mark Killam if he wanted to take over the Calgary Stampeders, like John Nuffnagel did the one time when Dave Dickinson took over for the Stampeders. So it could be a changing of the guard in Calgary. You never know. I know Huffnagel said, no, I'm good. I'm sticking around for a few more years. But is that as a president or is that as a GM and president? Very interesting to see what happens in Calgary on that side of the football. But they've got a developing, young, good team right now. Calgary, like always, with it being either Joffrey Reynolds or whether it was John Cornish or whether it was uh, anybody else that was playing for the Calgary Stampeders, essentially they've always had a good run game and they've got a great run game once again developing. It's very going to be very interesting to see who actually takes over that first job. I'm not saying Kadeem Carey can't, but he's definitely a little bit more money. Like we were talking about William Stanback earlier today. So you look at a guy like Diedrich Mills, who really had some great yards this season and had some really uh, solid points and solid uh, bright spots. Maybe there's something there. I doubt it because I think that uh, Kadeem Carey essentially has earned his job in Calgary. He was the leading rusher of the CFL after all in the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that side of the football. The defense has been very good, so I can see them trying to re-sign a lot of guys. Uh, Jonathan Moxley, I would imagine they'll probably be talking to Cam Judge and trying to get him to a longer-term contract because he's been very good this season. Uh, Sean Lemon, I'm sure they would love to sign for a long-term deal as well, who's been very solid for the Stampeders. So to me, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some changes in Calgary. I don't know if it's going to be the upper management or if there's going to be something else. But they've got the pieces there anyways, I think, to make a good team here. They're maybe just missing one or two pieces of depth, essentially. But if we know John Huffnagel and the Stampeders, they always seem to find those guys, uh, those diamonds in the rough, and always bring them in and end up picking up some great players, uh, whether it's a draft or just picking up a good American. Uh, Trey, what's Calgary got to do from here? Just make sure they're still better than Edmonton and Saskatchewan, right? And then they keep making the playoffs, right? Like, because if I'm looking, I know a lot can happen in free agency, but if I'm looking right now and look at progression, I'd say BC would be the top team to fear next year in the West. You still got to think of Winnipeg. I don't know about Edmonton, and you don't know about Saskatchewan. Again, they like they're going to need to rebuild in the freeze agent. So looking right now, I still put Calgary kind of in that two to three team in the West, right? Until free agency opens up and Saskatchewan spends all five million on first day to make their team better, right, Adam? But, you know, so I think they just got to keep, again, the, the, their process has been that way. Like you said, Huffnagel started as coach. Now he's up in office. If that's what they're doing with Dickinson. There, there. I would be more. I would put my money down that Hamilton's gonna blow everything up before I would Calgary, right? You know for sure. So, I think the biggest question with Calgary is where Bo goes. You know, that's kind of the biggest question. And and does Bo? Can I have been on this? You would take Bo over Cody, probably. But at the same, or you got two. No, you would take Cody because I'm like it's it's tough. Because everyone says it's Bo watch. No one ever really says Fajardo watch. But then most teams you would think would take Cody over Bo, right? I would take Fajardo over Bo Levi Mitchell at this point in their careers. I think Bo has been on a decline over the past couple of years. And he's not a mobile quarterback. So if you're going to have Bo Levi Mitchell in there, granted, to his credit, he gets the ball out of the pocket real quick. But... 
you got to make sure that you have an offensive line there to protect him. Uh, we've seen Cody Fajardo with possibly the worst offensive line in the past decade in the CFL, and that's comparing to some Bombers offensive lines uh, during the dark era there. So, I mean, so it's got to be up from here for Cody Fajardo, and he's a mobile quarterback. He's a guy who can make big plays there. He's a little bit younger, I think. Um, I think I would still go with Fajardo myself over Bo Levi Mitchell. I, you know what, and this is my team, so I should really have something on this one, I guess. But you know what, Saskatchewan needs a change, I think, more than it is if it's Cody or Bo, because I don't think is very happy with what's been going on in Saskatchewan. We've regressed, and a quarterback never wants to be regressing in his career. He wants to advance. He wants to do something more. And the fact that we've made two West Finals with Cody Fajardo and then absolutely bombed this year, I don't blame Kajovi Vichardo for leaving. I mean, you you haven't seen any updates yet or anything announced for anything on offensive line or any real hope that you're going to get out of this. I mean, you're, if the head coach and the managers and everybody else was getting thrown out, maybe you do have that feeling that Cody Fajardo, like things are going to happen in Saskatchewan with Jeremy O'Day there and with Craig Dickinson still there and with Craig Reynolds still there. What do you feel like it's going to be a different year in Saskatchewan next year? I'm already preparing for the tank, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a crazy theory eventually that I'll bring up on the, uh, maybe on the Saskatchewan dissection when we get to it, but uh, it involves another Saskatchewan quarterback in Bo Levi Mitchell. So to me, I I think that Bo is probably a good choice for Saskatchewan as a veteran, as a leader, and I'll get more into that later on in the year here on uh, why that would be. Uh, but yeah, and the other thing is, Richard, you're right. Why would Bo want to play for Saskatchewan? Well, I mean, we are considered one of the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs of the CFL. I mean, he likes playing under pressure and he likes playing for those teams that really care about their team immensely. Uh, Calgary's one of them. Saskatchewan is definitely one of them. And Winnipeg is definitely one of them. Winnipeg don't need a quarterback and you're leaving Calgary. Hamilton's another one as well, so you never know. Hamilton might take a shot at him. I don't think Hamilton's in the – I think Hamilton's closer to the same boat as Saskatchewan, though, as a rebuilding team. And uh, if somebody doesn't make the uh, Great Cup here, I think the team on my head right now might also be looking for a quarterback, and I think they're the closest to possibly maybe getting there. So could Bo end up in Toronto? Never know. Hey. I don't think I don't think Bo Levi Mitchell is a good fit for the Argos. I wouldn't I would take McLeod Bethel Thompson over Bo Levi Mitchell at this point in their careers. If you're talking backup, I would take the younger, higher potential Chad Kelly over Bo Levi Mitchell there as well. Here's how I see it playing out. The only two top starting potential quarterbacks I see available this offseason to switch teams are Cody Fajardo and Bo Levi Mitchell. You know Fajardo's not gonna go back to Saskatchewan. So Hamilton, if they're looking for a quarterback, yeah, like Chris says, I see Fajardo going to Hamilton, and I see then Saskatchewan needing a starter. They need to, you know, get the – look, Jeremy O'Day is going to be uh, playing for his job, so to say, this coming year. you got to think the, the whole management team of the Riders is going to. So what are they going to go out and do? They're going to think we need a quarterback, that a flashy quarterback signing to get the fans back on board. And they're going to overpay for Bo Levi Mitchell. Now, are they going to improve the offensive line enough to make them effective there? That remains to be the question. But 
that's kind of, you know, quickly here. That's how, that's how I see it playing out so far this off season is Fajardo to Hamilton, Bowie by Mitchell to Saskatchewan, everybody else sticking with who they have as a starter right now. Um, other than that, I really don't expect Calgary to do a whole lot this off season because looking at their roster, I actually really can't find a hole. Like I, like it went wrong for them on this particular day, but I can't figure out why, uh, when you look at their roster on paper, so to say, and maybe it was just, you know, the team just wasn't all on the same page. And I don't know what you do in that case. If it's coaching, maybe you need to swap some of the personnel in the room out, um, for that. They were kind of a unique team this year. They lost six games. Five of them were to the Lions and the Bombers. So you mentioned, Trey, you know, needing to stay ahead of Saskatchewan, needing to stay ahead of uh, Edmonton to make the playoffs and then anything from there. Yeah, they effectively did that this season. But if how do you now, what do you do this offseason to make that next step forward so that you can beat Winnipeg and BC, who you lost to six of your seven times you played football games regular season in the playoffs? And That'll be interesting to see where they go from here this offseason for the Stampeders on that one. Anybody else got any uh, final thoughts on Calgary here? Oh, just one on Bo. Watch January 8th. That's when uh, training camps for the XFL open. Watch that day. And that and that's the only other thing I'll say. Um, and Chris, about VA, he's under contract in BC. So unless he gets traded, which we see how valuable backup quarterbacks are, I doubt he will. You still don't know if Nathan Rourke's going to go south side. You'd keep VA and BC. But yeah, I just think, again, I think I said three Texas teams that believe in the XFL where Bo's from. He's 32. The Rock, you never, like I said, The Rock being a guy for, who played in Calgary in training camp, you might know the system. You know what I mean? He, he, he's a smart guy. He'll be like, hey, you know, maybe let's get a guy who's a however many MOP Grey Cup winner to come down to whatever team. And I don't know what the XFL salary. It's not a salary cap. It's a guy. Each guy's paid by the league. You never know what kind of money the Rock might throw. So I, I'm going to throw that one out there just for fun. But he'll probably go to Hamilton. No, sorry, he'll go to Saskatchewan with Fajardo going to Hamilton. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, sorry, maybe maybe it's only two. I don't know why I thought I saw three Chris in the chat, but I don't know my XFL teams. Maybe one move. Uh, it's the San Antonio Rampage or though San Antonio something and the Houston Roughnecks. I know those are the two teams in uh, Texas. It makes a lot of sense, Trey. Yeah. I mean, uh, think, uh, there's, no, there's three. There's Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio. Oh, there is Arlington. Yeah, Arlington Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, and San Antonio Brahams or whatever. Brahmas or whatever. It is. So the Brahma yeah, so that that's that's my only thought. Like again, you know, you'd want to go home to play, maybe to finish off your year in a league that could pay him whatever they want. You never know what that structure is going to be, and so you know. Well, hey, it's an option, anyways. And uh, could you imagine Bo Levi Mitchell picking up the mic and going and say, "Finally, Bo Levi Mitchell has come back to Arlington." Maybe, never know. I'm sure somebody would be encouraging that. However, he is signed as an as a contract with the CFL until February the 12th. So it, he's stuck in the CFL until then. Uh, does he wait it out and just go and sign with an XFL team? Very possible. But There's, yeah, their league now. starts a week later. There starts February 18th. Well, but they have an option window for the NFL. I wonder if that yeah. applies to the XFL. I'm guessing probably not. It's probably just NFL there. So. 
what what was signed during that co- that co- uh, that collective uh, time too? Maybe you never know what the Rock maybe threw in front of the CFL with that stuff that we don't know about. Well, I think that might have been some of that partnership thing, but it fell yeah. right apart. So to me, that's true. I just think that right now, and in the collective bargaining agreement, I know it says NFL for options. It doesn't allow USFL. What if he retires? That. What if he retires from the CFL? I guess you could file retirement and go to the XFL, but I, I mean, do you want to, you just finished going out classy in Calgary. Do you want to blow your bridge with the rest I of the know. CFL? He's not like I said, he's most likely probably going to go to Saskatchewan. I just, yeah. I, I think that if he hasn't got a phone call from Dwayne, the rock or whoever handles that stuff, I'd be shocked. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, Without a yeah. doubt. I mean, he is a guy that's known probably in Texas for a football player. That's a very good quarterback and has taken the great cup there a few times to show it. So, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense there. I just wanted to answer one other question uh, really quickly here from uh, Richard. It'll be interesting to see who signs first, Bo or Cody. I think it's more interesting on who pulls the trigger for their contract rights first, Bo or Cody. Because I think Hamilton probably wants a shot at Cody Fajardo. They might offer Saskatchewan something, again, maybe a sixth-round, fifth-round pick or something. Uh, to You don't think so, Ryan? No, because I don't see who else is clamoring for uh, an upgrade at starting quarterback. Like the only other one I see is maybe Ottawa, but Jeremiah Mazzoli, if he's healthy for next year. Edmonton, you just paid Taylor Cornelius. And if you're high on Trey Ford, I don't know who's necessarily in competition for for Cody Fajardo. Unless somebody's paying him big bucks to be a backup, you would have to think Hamilton has the edge there. But the other thing, though, is then on Bo Levi Mitchell – Saskatchewan and Hamilton probably want to take a shot at them. That one could be a bidding war a little bit. Now, I'm not saying they're going to offer anything significant because they know Bo Levi Mitchell's moving, but they probably also want first shot to see if they can get him. And also that might just prove to Bo Levi Mitchell that they really want him by trading in for his contract, which means he'll get his bonuses and everything else in February. So if that's the case, well, you know what? I'd be interesting to see who gets his contract. You're right, though. I think that Cody maybe isn't the one, but Bo Levi, you never know. Saskatchewan might just pitch him a fourth or a fifth just to, just to get that right uh, uh, talk to Bo maybe a month early. As excited as I am for these playoff games here, the remaining ones, I'm so excited for all these off-season shows. The lead-up to free agency is my favorite time of the CFL season, arguably. And we'll, we'll touch on you know, where the quarterbacks are going to go, coaching, carousel, all of those things probably sporadically throughout the offseason, I'm sure, as well. So stay tuned for that. Can I make one quick point before we move on to betting? It's, we'll talk more about it Thursday, but look at this week. You got Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver all into the playoffs right now against the back-to-back Great Cup champs. That's what you want as the league, is it not? In the three markets that everyone's been complaining that has no representation, has the fans, MLSC. Like, that's crazy. You know, I didn't really think about it until someone made that point on Twitter or late last night. So that's great to see the three big markets, you know, in November right now. Yeah. And then one team in the prairies. That's that's all you want, right? Either Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and the three big markets. And find a way to throw Saskatchewan in there, and that's the ideal, right? Like, you want want that marketing there for the riders, especially the team hosting the Grey Cup, but... Um, yeah, no, having all of these teams there in the final four is fantastic and uh, excited to see how that's going to play out. So, yeah, Wednesday, uh, Thursday night is when we'll, uh, we're going to preview each of those games. But let's round out today's show by talking about uh, quickly our betting results, our fantasy results from this past week. Let's look at betting results first, powered by BetStamp. 
Uh, Betstamp is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing you comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the Betstamp recommended best odds, which is what we use every week all season long for our picks against the spread. Learn more at betstamp.app. Sign up with referral code CFC. Uh, Trey, how did we do this week? Well, Ryan, you and I both went one and one. We both took Montreal and Calgary. Adam, Adam, boy, you love to see it. Two and zero oh, gets to five hundred on the year, making money finally. So nice with the with him taking Montreal and BC, of course. Love to see it. You know, it was all year to do it, but it finally pays off. Playoff Adam goes for keeps. And like I. <laughs> Hey, in our private group chat, I was really close to the opening lines this upcoming weekend, right? I think I was a point off of one game and right on the other one. So it's going to be another good week of football. That's for sure. Yeah, I uh, I did take the Lions to win straight up, but then I, I thought the game was going to be so close because uh, uh, they had been close all season long. So I did take Calgary against the spread. So it's hard not to take Calgary still. It's so hard to not, like even thinking next year, like I said, I'd give them way more chance of being better than i would edmonton or saskatchewan just because of it's calgary right it's yeah. so hard to think of them not being good i'll tell you right now if you would have flipped the fields i would have taken calgary all day every day just because, oh, 100 because yeah. bc knows how to play in the dome so well that's why i went with bc otherwise yeah no it was going to be calgary yeah and those are the kind of factors to weigh into things when you're placing your bets there right so Richard, uh, you have to find out on Thursday, buddy. He's asking who, uh, who, uh, who's I'm, Adam taking. Got to find I'm out on Thursday. Man, I, I like you know, it's it's a tough pick here, but uh, we're gonna have to see what happens Thursday because uh, we'll see what I feel like then. Yeah, so we got three more picks to make for the season: our uh, our East and West final picks, and then our Grey Cup picks, and we'll see uh, if we can get those correct against the spread as well. Uh, Richard saying in the chat, I love that Ryan's favorite part of the season is the off season. I like all the speculation. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy the games too, obviously, but uh, it's fun to, to speculate on those types of things. That's uh, that's years of growing up playing uh, EA Sports, NHL, and Madden, and all the trades and all the fantasy sports along with it. I just lost in the Super Bowl today on Madden, man. Don't bring that up. And also, uh, literally, Ryan was the guy that played the uh, general manager version of Madden. All he did was sit in the sidelines while the other, he played a uh, simulation and then made all the trades and everything instead. I do. I, I don't think I've done that in Madden, but I've definitely done that in hockey before. That's, uh, that's yeah. the ideal way to, to yeah. play a season there. I do the expansion team and I just kind of simulate the first 10 years and then maybe I'll play once it's all like computer players and hella bucks 40. And then that's your, that's my expansion team right there. <laughs> uh, and then let's round it out with our CFL fantasy results for this week. Uh, we're not playing in any official uh, league for, for wins here or anything, but we are of course playing in the overall leaderboard as well in the playoff picture. It was a tight race between the three of us this week. Uh, Trey, you had 51.4. I had 62.3. Adam had 63.3. You beat me by one point. Still waiting for those stat corrections to come in, but uh, I don't think they're coming. Uh, how do you guys feel about how your fantasy lineups this week? Uh, Adam, you won, so let's start with you. Hey, again, I say Team Adam plays for keeps when it comes to the playoffs, man. Uh <laughs> You know what? No, literally the only reason I actually won that one was literally on Jake Winicky's first touchdown of the game. Uh, 
Don't rub it in. That's probably I shouldn't have won. And I mean, the funny part was I was sitting there during uh, our picks on Thursday and saying, I'm going to take Nathan Rourke because I want the big guy. I know he's going to do good. Ryan, oh no, that's too expensive. So what does Ryan do? Take Nathan Rourke and I go take Trevor Harris. So you know what? It almost cost me in the end for not taking Nathan Rourke. But uh, all is well that ends well. Finally, finally, I got a win over Ryan. Trick? Yeah, well, Alexander Hollins was in the lineup and that $2,500 meant I had enough room to put Nathan Rourke in there. But uh, yeah, almost caught you this week, but not quite. Uh, Richard, I believe, had the highest score in our public CFC group. 76 points. Congrats, Richard. Way to go. Uh, very well done job. That's a great score for a playoff round. Uh, Trey, 51.4 for you. How do you feel about how your team did? Uh, not too bad. I went Montreal-Calgary because I went with the teams I thought was going to win. Uh, in hindsight, I should have went more BC's way, but that's fine. You know, it's fine. It's fine. And uh, it's tough when I don't have Mike Miller and, you know, my my stellar team. And I don't know, maybe should Willie Jefferson be a receiver? He played a couple downs last time out. He said, I saw the a video the bombers released he's been asking to play receiver once or twice here and there so maybe we'll see him i'll put uh i'll put jefferson and mike miller in next week and i'll be at the top you know i mean carter does so why can't you well actually you know that's funny we'll talk that when you saw him out there wide out i was like oh he they all they had to do is throw it straight up and it's basically just an nba tip off and he doesn't even have to jump right compared to the cornerback he's playing against so that would be unfair yeah, uh, Chris in the chat is asking about where to join the public group. I know we're getting close to the end of the season here, but it'll be running next season as well. If you just search on the CFL Fantasy website for the Canadian Football Countdown, you can jump into our public league there and uh, play alongside. Uh, I think we're all in there. Uh, Adam, you might not be in the public group here, but uh, we'll get you in there yet. And, uh, you know, play alongside other viewers there as well all season long. It's a lot of fun. I always enjoy the fantasy aspect for myself. My roster this week, I did lean heavily on the Lions. Uh, I did go with uh, Nathan Rourke at quarterback uh, because I had the money to spend on it. And uh, seeing how Dane Evans played, who was my number one choice, I'm happy I did go with Nathan Rourke. James Butler, you know, started strong, only put up 11 points, could have done more there. Um Tyson Philpott had an okay day. Alexander Hollins, great value play in the Ticats defense. Ended up taking a chance on them thinking uh, that, you know, Montreal-Hamilton was going to be the cheaper game or the, the lower scoring game, and I couldn't fit Montreal's salary in there. So I went with the Ticats, which uh, didn't pan out so well. But, hey, still not a bad day here in CFL Fantasy. You want to hear what the real quick, because I was just messing around, like, and looking at every player, the top lineup. Uh, for the week was like 92 points. Nathan Rourke, Fletcher, Hatcher, Winicky, and the Hamilton's defense gave you the top score on the website. So, you know, that's not bad. That's not a bad day. Yeah, pretty good lineup. Uh, top score was something, what, 90 points, I think it was? 92. 92.7. Yeah, that's uh, not bad for a five-player uh, five $30,000 salary yeah. cap there for, for fantasy for sure. Uh, so we'll see on Thursday when we make our picks for uh, the division finals as well, how we do in that category. Uh, I think that does it for this evening's show. So let's take a look at what's coming up next. Uh, again, uh, Thursday night, division finals preview, West final, East final, 
each of those will go through uh, the positional matchup breakdown like we did last week. We'll see who has the edge on offense, defense, special teams, and coaching in each of those games. We'll take a look at the fantasy uh, options in those games again as well, and we'll make our picks against the spread. Uh, you can catch that Thursday night, 9 p.m. Central time. Uh, that's both Winnipeg and Saskatchewan after we had the time change this week, uh, which that's exciting. Um, so you can catch that on Thursday. And then next week, Monday night, November 14th, we'll be here to do the same thing we did tonight, recap the division finals. We'll take a look at the two losing teams as well, decide, talk a little bit about what the offseason might bring for them and all that fun stuff. So you can look forward to that Monday night at 9 p.m. here as well. Uh, you can catch both those shows live on the YouTube at the Canadian Football Countdown there. You can also find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, uh, and uh, on the Game Time TV YouTube page. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find the podcast at CF Countdown Pod on Twitter, also, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network. And, of course, where can we find each of us? Let's start with you here, Trey. Where can people find everything you've got going on right now? Yeah, if you're new to the show and haven't heard us say it a hundred times, at Trey MB Harness. Uh, you can get annoyed by my horse racing, football, whatever, Call of Duty, Star Wars. You name it. I don't have farming stuff. I'm not as cool as Adam. Adam, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at Adam Stewart One. I'm sure you've heard of that a million times as well. Uh, yeah, I've got probably a lot more senior hockey stuff going on right now. Unfortunately, our first game had to get postponed because of, you know, a boss breaking down. But nevertheless, uh, all good. So uh, kind of an interesting story. Maybe I'll share that over on social media. So go check me out at Adam Stewart One. And also be sure to follow Mike Garrell. I know he's on the road usually a lot right now, doing a lot of hockey broadcasts. So he's at Mike Garrell. Make sure you go and check what he's doing. And also check out the Game Time TV thing for him as well. Game Time TV MB. Uh, yeah, lots of good hockey going on right now. So I'm sure he'd appreciate a little bit of a follow over there. Right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, some well wishes to Mike as well. He's been quite under the weather the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, so hopefully he feels a little bit better here also. He's probably the one that got me sick, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> spending, spending time with him in the hockey rink right lately is probably what got me. Oops. Uh, I, I got one other thing also to bring up here, guys. If you notice this thing kind of going on my face here or whatever you want to resemble this to, uh, yeah, we're doing November on the podcast here. Uh, Ryan Trey, of course, are uh, showing off that they can grow facial hair way better than we can here. Well, mine, mine is with an asterisk because yeah. we discussed many times beforehand that we were going to do this Movember thing, uh, and I dropped the ball on it uh, because November or October 31st hit, and I remembered uh, like five minutes before the podcast and didn't have time to shave ahead of the time for that. Uh, and then every time I remember is right before we have to start the podcast. So, uh, I took a bit of a head start, and I have a feeling to catch Trey, I may need it. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, this is like what a week we were talking about. I've been shaving this, but this is still even coming. You can't see it on because it doesn't show up. But even this, I shaved what yesterday or two days ago, and it's already coming back. So I can't give my kids any like hugs or kisses because they get all mad with the scratches, man. So. <laughs> 
So anyways, hey guys, show us your Movember mustaches so I can feel a little better about this because, yeah, this hasn't been pretty so far. Hey, you're looking good, Adam. You're looking good. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at CooperTrooper42. It starts with a K. Uh, very hard at work these days, you know, just really trying to put out a really strong campaign for the Nathan Rourke for Hall of Fame campaign. Uh, actually, he makes my job pretty easy when he plays as good as he does. Uh, but if you want to talk CFL, CFL fantasy, any fun stuff like that, NFL, NFL fantasy. I had Joe Mixon in my lineup this week, just saying five touchdowns, 50-something fantasy points. It was a great day. Um, yeah, cannot, uh, never going to replicate that again. Uh, but yeah, you want to chat anything with any of us, you can find us on social media or tune into the podcast live every Monday or Thursday night. Uh, as we're live and we take your comments and questions in the chat. And we always appreciate those who join us and chime in along the way. And we appreciate whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Uh, if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We're always very thankful for that. And on behalf of our crew here this evening, uh, Adam and Trey, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.